Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we've got a little bit of news to get to, and then similar to our last show where we did the offensive questions that we have in fall camp, we'll answer some defensive questions, go position by position, um, same sort of rundown as that. So it should be a fun episode to talk some football there as fall camp is fully underway. Then in the back portion of the show, we have an interview with 2023 quarterback Braden Dorman, who is looking like a a plausible prospect for the Badgers. I know there's been some uh, heating up towards him possibly committing down the road here. Uh, I know 247 actually has a prediction in for him to end up a Badger, but no commitment yet, but we're still going to have him on the show to talk about his game and and what he liked about Madison and his visit and an experience recruiting so far. So it should be a fun interview with him, I know a lot of people have their eyes on him as a prospect for, for Badger fans. Matt, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic. Yeah, it's been uh, been fun to kind of see everything trickle out of, of fall camp. Uh, we saw Braylon Allen's stiff arm game going on today. I think that was the, the biggest thing to come out of camp, but a lot of fun tidbits. I'm excited to go on Saturday and kind of see that uh, firsthand, um, you know, first time since 2019. So I think it's going to be uh, a good week uh, here, and I think this is going to be a really fun podcast talking about our defensive questions. Yeah, I'm looking forward to touching on that, and I'm glad you brought up the Braylon Allen uh, video because I think back to, if you remember, like a couple of years ago, JT's freshman year when he got that screen pass and took that video or took that ball to the house, and all of a sudden the JT hype really started to take off. I mean, the Braylon Allen hype has already taken off, but it reminded me a lot of that where you saw that clip and you're like, okay, this this kid – the hype is real, and we knew it was already real, but you know we were wondering about him in the running back room. It seems like so far he's fitting in just fine, so I'm excited to hopefully see some more of that. And, uh, of course, you know, like you mentioned, a practice that way. We'll get to see some glimpses of him going forward. But the excitement in the fever pitch, is, the excitement is hitting a fever pitch right now. Yeah, I mean, and it's funny because you, you bring up JT and kind of how he exploded onto the scene. That was that was when BTN was there. Today, BTN was on campus for the Badgers, and sure enough, Braylon Allen makes an, a big play. And 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 I think that's just totally fitting, especially when you consider the fact that it sounds like Braylon Allen was getting some run with the ones and goal line situations. Which hell, that makes sense considering he's six two two thirty eight. But um, I, I think things are are really you know trending towards the Badgers having a a nice complement of, of three running backs that you can kind of go with. I mean, they have more depth than just that, but I do think that it's trending towards Braylon Allen being one of those top three backs potentially. 
Well, for news portions, we'll go ahead and why don't we just hit the practice notes first. Anything else really stand out to you from the first few days of practice? I know um, that was probably the big clip, but there's been some other um, little noteworthy things uh, to probably take. Anything in particular stand out to you? Yeah, I mean, I'm, we're going to be talking about the defense. So I'll just stick to the offense because we talked about that earlier and, and you know, looking at some, some things that have been happening. I, like I mentioned, I think Braylon Allen's probably going to see the field here as a as a freshman, which is exciting for Badger fans. Uh, you know, um, Malusi and Berger probably seem to be those top two guys. Malusi probably a, th- a three-down guy that could probably help them out in the past game when he was interviewed today. Jalen Franklin, Clay Cundiff taking advantage of some extra reps as Jack Eschenbach was limited. I think that that was meaningful. You heard Jalen Franklin, a couple, couple touchdowns, a couple big catches, which is exciting and, and encouraging for Badger fans as they look to see who's next in the wings at tight end. That was one of our questions we had earlier in the week. Chase Wolf supposedly making some, some nice plays, which I, which I think is big. Um, especially when you just you don't know when you're going to need that that second quarterback to help you out in, in games. Um, Logan Brown getting a ton of work at left tackle with Beach still out with a foot injury. I, I think those are the main things on on the offense. Um, I'll talk more about some of the things, and and we'll both talk about some of the things we're seeing in terms of the defense. But but for now, the offense those seem to be the main things at least at least to me right now. Yeah, I mean, we've heard so much about Jalen Franklin and, and the athleticism circuit for him and being a possible, you know, really strong pass catcher, just a really raw player at that tight end position, of course, last year making that transition and not really getting, you know, a spring last year. So I'm sure development is, is really taken off for him. And, and I think he's a wild card right now at that tight end position, but exciting to see what he could possibly do um, as they move forward here. But otherwise, yeah, I think he hit the nail on the head with what's kind of standing out so far. Um, we haven't Hasn't been a ton of, of news and noteworthy stuff to take, but that's usually a good thing because we're still pretty early in the in the practices. So usually if there's anything that really big and notable that comes out in these first few days, it's usually something bad, whether it be an injury or a guy getting rolled up and, and hurt that way. So thankfully right now it's been a little bit quiet, but that's that's probably the best-case scenario right now. You want guys just in there getting reps, and so far the Badgers haven't been too banged up in, in any sort of severity. So that's good to, to see. Uh, other news things that we've got to get to, why don't we touch on the coaches' poll. We'll work back to front here. Number 15 coming in for Wisconsin right now. I think for the past, it seems like the past however many years, Wisconsin has been in that 14 to 19 range, which honestly I, I like that. We've seen what happens when Wisconsin gets a little bit too hyped up. Um, I, I can see the, the nightmare image of that SI cover where the Badgers are ranked third or fourth, and, and that always comes back to haunt people. So I think 15 right now. It is a good spot. I don't really like to take too much from the coaches' poll. I think it's kind of silly that they rank some of these teams without seeing uh, a single snap. But what do you make of the Badgers being in that spot? It makes sense. It, it, it's it's about right. Um, I'm not surprised that the Badgers are around that spot. Mid-teens seems to be the, the sweet spot for the Badgers for for so many years. It's it's hard to really pull anything from the coaches poll. You've got a bunch of coaches who haven't seen anything from any of these other teams yet. Uh, nobody really knows. I think these preseason polls are a joke anyways. But at the same time, I, I do think it's telling that the Badgers are in the polls in the first place after having a, a down year last year and that they're ahead of Indiana, Iowa, and Penn State um, in that coaches poll. I think speaks volumes to the respect that the Badgers have um, across the country, 
from coaches, and, and I do think that it's um, something that I, I think that that's about right for the Badgers to start. Better to be in the, the top 25 of the coaches' poll than out of it, I suppose. So we'll see how that will possibly change. But like you said, not a lot you can take from it this early on in the season. Well, if you win your football games in front of you, you'll certainly move up. And if you lose them, you'll move back. It's not rocking science in terms of the rankings. All right, next news story real quick. Let's get the Wisconsin basketball non-conference schedule was released. They will open with a scrimmage on October 29th against University of Wisconsin-Whitewater. Uh, they've got Green Bay, Providence, uh, of course, a road trip to Georgia Tech, and as, long, as well as the Maui Invitational we've talked about a little bit ago. Um, you've got Marquette, and then you round out December 29th with Illinois State, a couple other ones mixed in there. Um, overall, I think it's a good test. That road trip to Georgia Tech will certainly be fun uh, to see what this team can do going into a hostile environment. You've got the Gavit games with Providence, which is fun. You've got, uh, of course, the in-state rival with Marquette, always a good one. And in the Maui Invitational, we've talked about a little bit, a good test. So overall, I think it's a good balance of tests and allow and, and some games that, you know, some of these teams you probably won't recognize will probably be hopefully blowouts. But I, I think overall um, this team will really get battle-tested early on in, in their uh, regular season before getting to Big Ten play. Yeah, I, th- I think this schedule is a nice blend for, for a young team. You're looking at uh, a lot of young players, a lot of new talent. I mean, some of the guys they have coming in as transfers aren't necessarily young, but at the same time, this is a new collection uh, of players. You really are only returning a couple of players who had a significant role last season. So I think it, it's nice to get things started off with with St. Francis of New York and, and then Green Bay right away to, to really just try to get get your bearings. Uh, I do like that they're taking part in the Maui Invitational. I like that Georgia Tech game in Providence, Marquette as well. But but I, I think it's really great that after they have those four games in a row or really five when you consider that they're going to play two games in Maui, um, that they get Nickel State, Morgan State, Illinois State. I mean, that is a coast. That helps coast into Big Ten play in a lot of ways, which I think will be needed after this team kind of maybe goes through some growing pains in, in those games and as they try to, you know, figure out their identity, get used to one another on the court. Um, so I, I like the schedule overall. It's not overly challenging, but, but really I, I think this is going to be a fun team to watch. Yeah, good balance, I think, is, is the perfect way to put it for them. It'll be fun to see what this team can do early on in, in the season and then have that uh, favorable end to the non-conference schedule to get you maybe some confidence built going into Big Ten play. All right, that wraps up our news. So why don't we get right into uh, our segment here with defensive questions that we have. Um, we'll start with the defensive line. I think you look at there, you, you've got, uh, of course, Keanu Benton at the nose tackle position. you got to feel really good about. You've got Matt Hennings in there. You've got some others guys that are, will certainly be in the mix. We've heard um, some talk about some guys that really had a strong spring, so hopefully that carries over to fall. But what is your main question that you have for the defensive line? Yeah, I mean, I, I just keep wondering, and I think we've already heard some some things about this, that is this the year that Keanu Benton really explodes, right? This is a kid that came in, did some really nice things as a freshman, didn't produce quite as much last year, but, I mean, he was still tremendous against the run in 2020. I just wonder, is is this the season where he's he's getting some, some playing time in the nickel package when they have two down linemen, which I think is remarkably good for this defense. I think it, it shows the growth that he has, but it also helps 
you fortify against the run and also maybe bring in another guy who can, can rush the passer a little bit better. Um, can he just kind of take his game to that next level and produce to a point where he's he, he's warranted of what people are saying is, is that he could be like a first, you know, first, second round draft pick next season or at the conclusion of this season. I, I think that's very possible if he has a big season. And I, but I think really that's still a question. We've, we've seen glimpses. We've seen some really strong play from him. But is there going to be that dominant effort? Will Wisconsin have a dominant defensive lineman for the first time in a, in a, in a long while? I think if they do, it's Benton. We'll see if he can produce that way. Yeah, I think that's a great question, and he's certainly got all the athletic capabilities uh, to do it. I think we've talked to breakout players a while ago, and I know Keanu Benton was up there on both of our lists because you just, you've just you seen it from him, um, and, and not in small samples. He's played a lot of football, but you know that there's it seems like there's another even bigger and, and higher step that he can take to really be a, a dominating player, not, a, not only in the Big Ten, but across the country at that nose tackle position. So, I think that's a great question, and I would expect that you'll he'll be answered yes, and hopefully he has a huge year. I know we're both expecting big things from him at that position. I think for me to kind of mix it up a little bit um, is, is who's going to be the running mate with Keanu Benton and, and Matt Henning. So I think last year with you had you had Rand and Loudermilk. You were coming into this spring, you were like, who's going to be the defensive end? I think you have a solid and established defensive end in Matt Hennings. I know some people, you know, early in his career were, were seeing him as more a rotation player, maybe a little bit of doubt. I, I think I'm past the, the doubting Matt Hennings. I think he's a really good player, going to be a really solid defensive end for, for the Badgers. So who else is it going to be? I think right now, I know we've heard about Rodas Johnson having a, a really strong spring, like I mentioned earlier. Um, you know, of course, you have Isaiah Mullins. So there's plenty of guys that, that are taking those reps that's probably one of the interesting position battles overall is, is that other defensive end. Uh, but I think who wins that job is going to be fascinating because it's going to be one that is, is certainly earned. It's not like they're just plugging in a guy because they have to. They're going to you know, compete in this camp um, and, and really see you know, who comes out on top is going to be fascinating because I think that will be a really strong key where you, you've got a, a great nose tackle in Benton that we expect to have a big year. I think you've got a really good end in, in Matt Henningsen. And if you get one other – you know, really good player that can come in, maybe even two, maybe it's a rotation. But um, if if those other guys can play at a high level, I think this, it takes this defense to an even bigger level than where it was at over these last couple of years. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Henningsen as a guy that, that people sleep on. There's a reason he's on that freaks list mm-hmm. by, by, by uh, Feldman. He's remarkably strong, and he is a whiz. Like, he might be the smartest player in the Big Ten. Like, he is he is really, really smart. Um, and a tireless worker. And I think that people just forget that in 2019, he led that defensive line in tackles for loss with five. He had four sacks to lead the defensive lineman. He had those three fumble recoveries and multiple touchdowns. Like he was produ- production wise, if you're just looking at statistically speaking, he was their best defensive lineman. And, and I think that people look at it and say, oh, well, he was a walk on you know, unheralded coming out of high school and forget what he was able to do when he was healthy in 2019. And I I do think that he's going to be another guy that when you plug him and Benton in the middle, I think that's a really good combination that should help the the outside linebackers and inside linebackers get going. But but I just just think that Matt Henningsen is going to be a a guy to, to watch as well. 
100% agree. Yeah, he, he's a player that I think definitely gets slept on, and we'll see, um, you know, what the he's another, like you mentioned, smart, always in the right place at the right time, and I'm I'm excited to see what he can do at uh, the defensive line. All right, let's move now back to the linebacker position. We'll start inside, of course. You, you look at this Wisconsin defense, Jack Sanborn, Leo Chanel, you're, you got phenomenal two starters there. Um, I don't think there's any concern about that. So for me, really, the, the question, um, and I, I in, at media days, I kind of asked Leo Chanel about this. I know last year him and Sanborn both kind of mentioned that he was just maybe a step off of, of making some huge plays. So I think we'll we'll see this answer early with him making plays, um, whether it be in, early in the season against Penn State or anything like that. But is he is he gotten whatever he needs to get to to get that step closed and, and make a big play? Because there were so many times last year where if he was a step faster and and not necessarily faster, I think he's a very versatile, athletic kid. It's just he was right there from making a play. Where if he makes those plays, he's all of a sudden going to be a dominating player uh, in the Big Ten. So I'm really excited to see that. But what what changed, and will he take that next step to to all of a sudden be a, a force, an even bigger force to be reckoned with inside? Yeah, those splash plays are so important, especially from your leaders inside. Um, I, I do think that those two are primed for a huge year, Sanborn and Chanel. Um, but but really, it's just we'll see. I think that Sanborn um, has has earned the right to it, for everybody to give him the benefit of the doubt. I think Chanel is getting to that point, um, and, and that I think that they're going to have a big season overall. Uh, I guess if, if if I had one other question about this inside linebacker group is we've heard a lot in the spring about Muma John Meta as a guy who who made some nice gains was was making some waves in that inside line room, linebacker room as as kind of that next guy up maybe and, and I know Tate Grass as well um, a former walk on had had turned some heads and and is kind of earned the opportunity to be on the field a lot more as well. But I do think that Muma is, is kind of that next wave in a lot of ways. He, 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 you look at Malik Reed leaving, you've got a little bit more room for some of those younger guys. Is, does Muma Jung Medic continue to earn um, maybe some, some, some roles in the special teams to get him ready for 2022? Or does one of those freshmen pop? There's a whole bunch of inside linebackers coming in, including Jack Sanborn's little brother. Um, do one of those guys make a move on on Zhang Meta and, and maybe close the gap to make it even more of a contest next next fall and next spring when when you're looking at Jack Sanborn no longer being with the team at least most likely. Um, so that's that's another thing that I'm I'm watching for is kind of that depth behind them because Mascalunas is going to be your third inside guy. Take Grass as well maybe, but but can Muma Zhang Meta kind of make the move and stay healthy is, is something I'm going to be watching. Yeah, I think that's the other main question that you've got to have for that room. Um, I, I know that if if Chanel and Sanborn are out there, are healthy and ready to get and you know ready to be out there, they're going to be out there um, you know 99% of the time. So maybe you don't see a ton in game with without you know those top three. But who develops behind them to take that step next year is certainly something that I think is going to be important to to possibly watch for um, in a, in a fall camp situation because there's players there, there's names that we've heard for a while. Um, it's just a matter of seeing how they develop, and, and I'm excited to see what some of this group can do for sure. All right, moving outside now, I think this is a really interesting position at the outside linebacker spot. Um, you've got a, a ton of guys that we've talked a lot about over the years. So where are you looking as your, your question for the outside linebacker room? I think for me, I'm really just interested in what kind of combinations does Bobby April use? 
I, I think you're looking at Noah Burks and Nick Herbig probably being your one-two, you know, combination. But then there's there's so many guys that have either experience or we've heard a lot of positive buzz about in the past. Can't, who is getting reps? Who is playing? I mean, even just this week, you've heard Aaron Witt um, and TJ Gaps were, were down. So then Daryl Peterson, true freshman coming in and, and doing some nice things off the edge. Um, and, and what kind of role does he have? What about bowlers? What about Spencer Lytle? There is so many different guys. Isaiah Green may as well, right? Like you were at media days and they were gushing about him. So what does that rotation look like? How deep do they go? How how are they, you know, cycling those guys in and out? And what does that look like? Is it situationally based or is it more of, hey, we're going to just go ahead and we're going to run those top two and run those top two until they're tired and then we're going to bring in another wave. I'm interested in see, to see what that looks like because there's so many different bodies, so many different body types and skill sets that I think Bobby Abrook and um, Jim Leonard can get pretty creative with that group. But how how willing are they to maybe change things up and take a guy like Nick Herbig, who I think is your most dynamic outside linebacker off the field? Um, because I, I have a hard time imagining that they're going to be excited to do that. But at the same time, you have other guys like Spencer Lytle, who's super good in space, super good in dropping in coverage, and has made some nice plays. So that's something I'm watching is just what are those combinations and, and who's all getting reps? Because there's only so many to go around. Yeah, I think that that conversation is fascinating in that room. I mean, there's so many guys that are highly rated kids, you know, coming out of high school. We talked a lot about them, a lot of hype around them. Maybe you haven't seen them on the field all that much, but somebody's going to be out there. And what combination uh, of it is going to be? I think that would probably be my question as well is, is which guys are out there and in which downs, which situations. Is it going to be a, you know, this guy's a stronger pass rusher. He's going to be out there on, on, on passing situations or, do we have a guy out there that we want because we think we're going to drop in coverage? I think the outside linebacker room has a lot of weapons for Bobby April at his disposal. So I'm interested to see, you know, who it's going to be. Um, I know there's a lot of names. You mentioned Isaiah Green May, a guy, again, that a lot of us have probably written off a little bit. I mean, we, it's been talked about every spring, but um, at, at media days, like you mentioned, Bobby April was, was gushing uh, about him. I was listening to Jim Leonard, and I heard him talking. I turned because I just – he was he was getting so passionate and excited about Isaiah Green May. So a guy like him, long, lanky, uh, certainly a pass rusher, something maybe to get excited about again. So there's a lot of different guys, a lot of talent. Jim Leonard and, and Bobby April have a ton of guys at their disposal to use. It's just going to be who gets there and, and who earns those reps and, and what combination I think is, is really the main, the standout question and one that is, is certainly really fascinating. Yeah, another important All right. Is oh, can this group just get to the quarterback and, yeah, and finish? Sure. I, I think that's definitely a major talking point as well. Um, but do, do we want to switch to cornerback here? And you want to go first? Yeah, we'll go ahead and hop back there. I, I think for me, it's uh, this this question has been one that we've talked about really all off season in the in the cornerback room, and that's who's going to be that number three guy. And I think right now it, it seems like it's a two horse race. When you heard um, what Hank Poteet was touching on with the cornerback room, it sounds like it's Dean Ingram or Alexander Smith. They're the leaders in the clubhouse. And, and really, from, from what he said, it sounds like it's probably Alexander Smith right now with the pole position at that one spot to start and other guys chasing him. Um, he mentioned a lot that he wanted guys that 
were able to handle the pressure and, and really, you know, mentally were able to take on that. And, and I know you've, you've got two seniors in, in Williams and Hicks that are, are talented players, been in the program, so you don't worry about them. That third cornerback spot, whether it's going to be inside, outside, a combination of both is going to be so important. And I think it seems like Hank Bautista's happy with the, the two guys that he's got going right now, but can somebody else in that room push it? Because there's a lot of talented kids, but there's not going to be a lot of reps to go around when you have two established starters and, and two guys that are already starting to make waves. So who that third guy and, and possibly a fourth guy is going to be is, is really the fascinating storyline um, that I'll be watching for. Yeah, and beyond camp, I think the big question, at least for me, is can Caesar Williams and or Fayon Hicks put together a big season and put themselves in a position to possibly be drafted, right? Like these are these are multi-year starters that have been on the field for three-plus years here and, and have a, a lot of experience, but can they generate more takeaways and put themselves in a position where, where NFL teams are, are taking a look at them as a possibility, you know, beyond just an undrafted look? So I think that's one thing once it comes to the season, but but I agree with you. It's, it's got to be that third corner. Um, I'm fascinated to see, can Samar Melvin or Dante Burton overtake one of those guys and really shake things up? Samar Melvin didn't go in the spring. Dante Burton, you know, went in the spring, but also didn't necessarily put his best foot forward. It sounds like Melvin and Burton are still getting a shot here and getting some first-team reps, so maybe they're in the equation a little bit more than we thought going into the fall. Um, and then the enigma that is Deron Harrell, I just don't know what to make of his career arc at all. Um, when he, if he can get back to health, does he have a role um, as as a super senior? But I just, I don't think so. I think that ship has sailed a bit. But but I think Samar Melvin, Dante Burton, and and if they can challenge Smith or Dean Ingram, is going to be fun to watch. Yeah, it's a fascinating room. Like I said, a lot of talent, but but not a lot of reps and spots to go around. So who maybe pushes for that and, and how that competition heats up is, is one to, to probably watch closely in terms of these position battles that you've got. I think um, that number three guy is certainly one uh, to keep an eye on. All right, speaking of the secondary, we'll stay back there with the safety room. Of course, you've got Scott Nelson back. You've got Colin Wilder back now. You've got couple other guys um, in Travion Blaylock and John Torchio that I think a lot of people feel good about, just haven't seen huge amounts. I know a little bit more from John Torchio and, and Blaylock, of course, in special teams, but what position and or what question do you have for the safety position? Yeah, for me, it's can Travion Blaylock stay healthy? Um, he's a guy who, I mean, he played as a freshman. He, he was a, a player who, who made some nice things. He had a, he had a fumble recovery early in his career in special teams, made some, some nice plays. He's uber athletic. It's just a matter of he hasn't been able to stay healthy. He's banged up starting off fall camp here. I remember when we went through the injury list, he was on it. He was on it as of today as well. So he's, he's on the field, but limited. Can he get back to health and and maybe be that third cornerback because he brings something very different than what um, than Scott Nelson and, and Colin Wilder have, which I think mirrors more closely to what John Torchio is. I think Torchio and Wilder are very similar types of players, um, but but Blaylock brings a little bit more speed um, to that room as a former cornerback, but he hasn't been able to to stay healthy and if he can I think he's going to be that third safety but if he can't I think it's it's Torchio's job and Torchio's been making a bunch of plays already they called him the jewel thief here because he he just kind of is able to sneak in and make the big plays so 
But my big question is Travion Blaylock because he's farther along in his career in terms of eligibility-wise, and the ceiling for him is very high as the player who could ultimately be a starter next year, but it's not going to be the case if he can't stay healthy. Yeah, you'd like to see a little bit from him this year and and possibly moving into a starter role next year to kind of make you feel comfortable um, with him at that spot because, like you mentioned, he's a physical freak. You've seen a lot of if you if you follow him on Twitter, there's a lot of off season videos of of him. You know, we've talked about that freak list. Maybe an honorable mention of Wisconsin is a guy like him. I mean, absolutely cut and very athletic. Just hasn't been able to stay healthy and on the field. Similar career path as like a guy Isaac Arendo, guy that we know athletically absolute freak and does a lot of different things just been banged up consistently haven't been able to see as much as you maybe want to from him but a guy that like I think could be a really good piece um, because John Torchio he's made some plays I know there's a lot of excitement around him Colin Wilder mentioned that he was really excited about what he was doing but but Travion Blaylock just does give you an added layer to that safety room that you could use so I think that's a fascinating question I think the other one that you could ask in this room is is where, um, in terms of progression, is Hunter Roller. I mean, a guy that everyone's excited to see. I know there's, a, of course, a lot of veterans in front of him, but this kid, again, we talked about Braylon Allen being uber-talented. Hunter Roller's a kid that's uber-talented as well, so I, I'm not saying that you, you we need to ask when he's going to be out there, but um, just where he's at in the depth chart, I think, is a fascinating you know, minor question. I think you like what you got. Um, with the top four, and you'd feel comfortable with that. But where does a fresh, incoming freshman almost kind of feed on that same group? Where does he line up is another little thing that I'd certainly uh, want to pay attention to. All right. Let's, should we switch gears to special teams and look at punter and kicker this year? Um, yes. Let's go ahead and, and do unless that. you've been hiding <laughs> under a rock, you've already heard about Andy Vujnovich, just his freak of nature ability and, and love of the weight room. But what's your biggest question for the kicking and punting game? Well, let's see. I think the kicking game is is, and you already can hear the the sigh in my voice. I think the kicking game is is there a kicker on the roster that consistently can kick the ball through the uprights? I don't care if if it's Jack Van Dyke, if it's Colin Larsh, if it's Gavin Myers, if it's if Braylon Allen can make field goals, if it's him, can a kicker put it through the uprights consistently? And it doesn't need to be a, you know. I think Wisconsin would love to have a guy that can bomb it from 50 yards and put three points on the board, but they don't necessarily need that. Uh, they need a guy that you know, 35 and in is going to consistently put it through the uprights. And at least so we haven't seen anything come out from the kicking camp, and, and I didn't get a chance to talk or hear much from the special teams room, so we don't know a ton. But right now, based off what we've seen the last couple years, I don't think anyone feels uber confident that Wisconsin has that right now. Maybe that'll change, and one of the three will come out and, and put it through the uprights consistently. You don't have to worry about it. But I think that's the one thing you can really look at um, for the kicking room. And then for the punting room, I mean, what it, I think the question is, what is Andy Bujinovich? I mean, where did this kid come from? Of course, former D3 at University of Dubuque to doing whatever in the hell that lift was on Twitter, the, the <laughs> Turkish. I think if I attempted that, I would literally be in the hospital. So that kid is, is just insane. I think you got to feel pretty good what you got in, in the punching room. But, uh, yeah, those are my questions uh, for the specialists right now. Yeah, I, kind of going along with kicker and punter, I, just what happens, and, and hopefully this doesn't happen, but what happens if Peter Bowden at 
long snapper goes down, mm-hmm. I think I think that gets real dicey when you the only other guy long snapper you've got on the roster is a, a true freshman walk on that just you know joined the team over the summer. Um, but but yeah, the the biggest the biggest question across any special teams, and really it might be the biggest position battle on the entire team, and maybe the most important position battle on the entire team is kicker. You look at it, Jack Van Dyke as well as Callan Larsh. They they both have some experience. Van Dyke is a kickoff guy. Larsh has been a place kicker off and on the past couple seasons, but haven't been consistent. If any of the practice reports that go out in, on social media, you'll notice that it's neither of them have been overly consistent. In fact, Jack, Jack Van Dyke's been better from deep than he has been short range, and Colin Larsh hasn't been consistent in any range. So that's that's definitely concerning. Um, I would say, based off of things, I would guess that Van Dyke is kind of the leader just because he has been able to make some from deep. But, but really, I think this is something that unless things change, there's, the kicking game is going to still be dicey going into to 2021, which I think is, is sucky. And, and it's definitely something that this team needs to improve upon because we've seen them lose games over a kicker. And hopefully Jack Van Dyke or Colin Larsh or whoever the hell kicks it, um, mm-hmm. can can put together consistency like you mentioned. But but I do think it's Jack Van Dyke. I, I do think that he gives them the best chance because Colin Larsh, if it gets past 40, it's just not happening basically um, based off of leg strength. Jack Van Dyke, though, it's I think for him, the skill is there. It's going to be the mental side and trying to get to the point where you're in a rhythm, you're confident, you're going up there, and you're just – letting your foot meet the leather and and do your job. And hopefully it gets to that point. But, yeah, consistency is definitely alarming right now for that kicking game. Yeah, and unfortunately the the struggle of special teams uh, the last few years has, has certainly been there. I would expect it to maybe be there a little bit um, you know, with the, with the kicking and the consistently unless we unless we come out and see a completely different version from, from one of those guys. And I agree with you. I think Jack Van Dyke seems like, the guy that gives you the most hope that that it might improve. I mean, if, if we've had, you know, we've been trying Colin Large for a while now, and it just hasn't really taken off. It's not a knock on him; it just hasn't been super consistent. That's just uh, the, the fact of the matter. So hopefully, um, you know, Wisconsin can can find a way to to clean that up overall. I mean, all of the special teams the last couple of years has been a little bit of a head scratcher and, and and certainly frustrating. So hopefully, um, the kicking game can can get figured out a little bit. I, I can't imagine it's going to come in and, and everything's going to be completely solved. But if they could find some answers with one of those guys to to make it a little bit more consistently, I think it would go a long way for this team. Not only in just um, putting points on the board, but how you how you manage a team. I think so many times over the last couple of years, Paul Grist has sometimes been uber aggressive because he knows he doesn't have a guaranteed three points on the board. Which sometimes you don't mind, but sometimes you want to you know feel comfortable having that field goal in your back pocket if you need to. And and really the last two seasons you haven't haven't quite had that. So hopefully that kicking game can can be shored up. Yeah, and, and I, I will say that what's nice is you feel more willing to be aggressive. In, inside, you know, the 25, right? Like if you're driving, you've put together a nice drive, you're inside the 25 and it's, and it's fourth and two, I, then you feel more comfortable being aggressive. It's when you get down there and you're at the 32 and instead you're looking at a longer field goal. I think that's why if I had to pick a guy, it's going to be Jack Van Dyke because he gives you the opportunity to hit that longer field goal where if you don't make it on that fourth and two, you don't feel quite as bad. Um, 
whereas you can get points on a drive that you weren't necessarily, you know, committed to or thinking that you were going to get points because he's got the leg, um, and, and he does have a really strong leg. So we'll see how things go. I, I do think that this is not going to end this week in camp or next week in camp. I think it's going to take a little bit, and that we might not know who the kicker is until that first step chart is dropped, you know, moments before the Penn State game. I think you're absolutely right. All right, guys, that wraps up our defensive questions. Hopefully you enjoyed that segment. Now we'll go ahead. We'll get our ad reads out of the way, and then we'll get into our interview with 2023 quarterback prospect Braden Dorman. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Badger fans, we are now joined by a very special guest, 2023 quarterback prospect Braden Dorman out of Colorado Springs, Colorado. He is one of the Badgers' top targets in the 2023 class at the quarterback position. Uh, number one player currently out of the state of Colorado, by, rated by 247. Braden, thanks so much for joining us. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Thank you all for having me. Absolutely. I always love to talk to recruits and prospects. It's always a lot of fun. And, and whenever whenever we do these interviews, we always like to start with um, some easy questions. So we'll we'll start with the strengths of your game. Where do you feel like your game is strongest right now? Um, I'm obviously a bigger dude. I'm 6'5", so I can kind of see over the, the line. Uh, I definitely think that kind of helps out a little bit, kind of seeing over some guys, kind of seeing where your guys are at. Um, but I think there's obviously a lot to work on at the moment. Um, you know, you're never really satisfied with where you're at. So, uh, right now I'm just kind of just, uh, working on my game and everything, uh, practice and everything. So, yeah, your size definitely, you know, on film jumps out, um, especially for being a 2023 kid, right? Like you're entering your junior year. Um, what are some of those things that you are looking to improve upon as you kind of are working through fall camp here with your school? Uh, definitely my mobility. I think that's something I kind of lacked on last year. Uh, not saying that I'm not mobile. I'm just uh, kind of saying that's something I didn't really show very well in film last year. Uh, a lot of it was just me getting the ball out of my hands as quick as possible. That uh, was kind of kind of our offense. And so I think this year kind of the main focus is I'm going to try and kind of show my mobility a little bit on film. Uh, so, so, yeah. Sounds like a good thing to work on for sure. Um, your high school team has is, is already begun practice for the fall. How's that going mm -hmm. so far, and, and what are your goals uh, for your high school team this fall? No, it's been going great. You know, back with the guys after having that, you know, super short COVID season. Uh, just just kind of being back with those guys, going kind of through some of our plays has been really nice. Um, it's We have a scrimmage this Saturday kind of like a little jamboree, like they run 10 players, they run 10 players kind of deal. Um, and I think, you know, every 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 uh, high school player's goal is to win a state championship. But, you know, I'm just kind of going week in and week out with my guys. And, you know, I know they want to win. I want to win. Um, so we're just going to kind of focus on our first game right now. I think that's a great strategy. And you mentioned last year was kind of a weird season. Only got to play in five games. Um, but in those games, you put up really good numbers, averaged over 300 yards a game, nearly five touchdowns. Um, you know, what kind of offense do you guys run in high school? And 
and maybe what type of scheme are you hoping for when you get to the next level? Uh, well, last year with our old coach, we ran a lot of air raid. We basically threw the ball 90% of the time and rarely ran the ball. Um, so that kind of set us back. Defenses were able to kind of just line up on one formation and know exactly what we're going to do every play. Um, but this year with our new coach, we're running pretty much everything you can imagine. Um, to uh, run the ball a lot more, to pass the ball. Um, we'll be under center a lot, to triple option even here and there. Um, we're just basically anything. Um, we're basically running everything, to be honest. So I think that kind of fits us very well. Um, definitely that's kind of an offense I'm looking for in the next level as well. Just an offense that we kind of do everything. Uh, we're not set on running the ball or just passing the ball. Um, it kind of sets you up to the next level, and I think that's what our offense is going to do greatly this year. Yeah, it's always important to have that balance. I know Wisconsin certainly likes to get at that a well, having a strong run game and a strong passing oh, yeah. game off of that. So I, that, that makes a ton mm-hmm. of sense as, to make you more comfortable as a quarterback. But speaking of Wisconsin, um, of course you earned an offer from Wisconsin after camping with the Badgers. What was that whole experience like for you? No, it was great. You know, it was great to compete with some, some other guys at that camp. Um, so it kind of made me feel like I earned that offer, which is always a good feeling. Um, you know, and, and getting that call from Coach Chris and him offering me was it was a really good feeling, especially from a big-time school like Wisconsin. Um, so our, our, our relationship with Coach Chris and uh, Coach Dunn and some of, some of the people on the staff is going to just continue to grow. Yeah, you, you mentioned um, that you, you felt like you really earned that offer. Wisconsin only handed out one offer from that camp, and there was a lot of really talented quarterbacks on campus. Um, mm-hmm. What was it like being the guy that they chose to, to you know, to give that offer out to and, and to how they're kind of keeping you prioritized at this moment? It really stood out to me that, you know, I was the only guy they've offered in this class, the quarterback, and, you know, like that just kind of shows how interested they are in me and how bad they want me. And, you know, for everybody, they want to go to a school that, you know, they're wanted at. They don't want to go to a school where nobody really wants them or they're a second option. And so, like, being the first guy they offered um, and then showing that kind of interest, like, really boosted my confidence. And, you know, I, I just really appreciate them for that. So, yeah, it's certainly exciting. I know the quarterback recruitment you know, position is always interesting because there's only so many spots that, that schools are throwing around. So when you get one of those offers, it certainly means you're a priority that way. And, and speaking of you being on campus, I know you've been there a couple times uh, to Madison. What have you liked about the city and, and from what you've seen thus far? Um, just how, like, football-wise, the facility is kind of all in just one spot. You don't have to go across campus for study hall or – practice or lifting it's all in just one area which is really nice um the town is amazing you know i, I fell in love with cheese curds not gonna lie um definitely definitely a huge fan of cheese curds now um but yeah the people are super nice the town set up perfectly i love the lakes i love fishing um so that's kind of a plus for me um just kind of the whole college town environment uh kind of just setting it on me yeah, that's fair. Um, and you got to be careful with cheese curds, man. I, I tell you what, they're, they're great, but woo. Um, yeah, I'll tell you, when you're looking at Coach Chris here, he's kind of taken over that quarterback room um, after Coach Budmeyer left. Um, you know, you've gotten to kind of establish a relationship with him. You mentioned um, Coach Dunn. What's been their message to you kind of throughout this process, and what's your relationship like with those two? Uh, they've kind of told me everything I wanted to hear. Um, they're they're definitely huge relationship oriented guys. 
Uh, they, they kind of just tell me how I fit in offensively and with the team. Um, and they're, they've just been straight up honest with me, which is a huge thing for me. Um, you know, with uh, my other recruits that are, you know, listening to this, they can attest to this. Like, recruiting is not fun. A lot of coaches kind of, you know, lie about a lot of things. And Wisconsin was one of the few schools that, you know, just is openly honest with me. And um, it's, it's definitely something to be happy about. Yeah, and the few times I've been around Coach Chris, he seems like a guy that uh, shoots pretty straight. Uh, doesn't really like to like to, to beat around the bush too much. But speaking of other schools, um, your offer list is strong, and, and obviously will continue to grow being part of the 2023 group. Which schools have, have kind of been in contact with you most outside of Wisconsin? Uh, kind of the, uh, the schools that I've offered, the schools that I'm talking to the most are Wisconsin, Iowa State, Oregon State, Arizona. Um, those are kind of the main schools that are kind of – on my list right now. Um, and then there's some other schools that I've been in contact with that, you know, haven't offered, such as like Kansas State and Clemson, Ohio State, LSU. Um, and so, yeah, it's just been kind of kind of an interesting process for sure. Yeah, I feel like re- recruitment, especially when, you know, you're looking at you're just entering your junior year, it can it can be go a lot of different ways. Um, do you have any fall visits kind of in mind, or do you plan on going to any games for some of those teams that have offered or have not yet offered yet? Most definitely. I definitely plan on uh, Wisconsin and Iowa State for sure. I'm definitely going to be at a game this fall. Um, and then maybe like a couple, like two or three other schools um, that are kind of in my main interest right now. I'll be at um, one of their games this fall and then after the season. I plan on um, taking a couple unofficial visits to some schools that have maybe offered recently or that I'm kind of just narrowing down. I want to see one more time. Uh, so I definitely kind of plan on making a decision sometime after the season and uh, kind of before my senior season. Uh, so it's kind of in between those two times. Yeah, no, I think that sounds uh, like, a, like a smart plan. So you, uh, the last question we had for you kind of just hit on it. Any timeline for your recruitment? I know quarterback position sometimes like to get that settled down early. So sometime between uh, these next uh, – after your football season, you kind of focus on that and then maybe make your decision then? Yeah, exactly. And the thing for me, like Wisconsin, I would say the schools that have offered, uh, you know, I'm kind of like one of their first or second choices. And, uh, you know, that's kind of something that is setting them apart from other schools right now at the moment for me. Um, and so I'm definitely – trying to make a decision as soon as possible, but I want to make the right decision and, and be 100% positive that I want to go there. Um, and so it, it's definitely going to be kind of shortly after the season. I would say January, February-ish uh, is when that decision will be made. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a, certainly a big decision when you want to get right, so make sure to, to exactly. take your time until it feels right, I'm guessing. So, yeah. um, Well, Braden, we appreciate you taking the time. That's all we've uh, all the questions we've got for you, but I would look uh-huh. forward to, to watching you this high school season, and, and best of luck. Yes, sir. I appreciate that. All right, Badger fans, that wraps up another episode of the podcast, as always, on Wisconsin. Thank you.